cross the street. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was a bad. Hey, how we doing? Kane Ione here, Kip Ione, Cross the Streams podcast, coming back from a long yeah. hiatus. <laughs> we are coming back. We are coming way back. It has been since Christmas, I believe. Christmas episode was the last time yeah. we were able to record an actual podcast, but we had good reason. It wasn't like we just decided, ah, oh, you know what, we're not going to do it anymore. We had good reason. Kip, you were heavily entrenched in what you had going with your season with the Willamette Bearcat basketball season. Um, So why don't you kind of fill us in on that? Before I brag about the Bearcats, I want to make sure you don't get in trouble. You got married, too, during this time. So let's make sure you say that. (laughs) Hi, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were some life-changing events over the course of the time that we were not on the podcast. That's that's a great call by you. Yeah, it's kind of. See, I'm looking out for it. I've been kind in this a, game for a while. Kind of a big deal, kind of a huge yeah. deal, actually, in my life. Life changing, obviously. This was kind yeah. of the year of change for me when it was all said. Yes. When you really look back on this year, almost it'll almost be a year. In the uh-huh. two weeks, it will be a year as far as the big move uh, from mm-hmm. Montana State University out to the University of Washington, as far as professionally. Obviously, with that comes the move in general, just relocating, uh, mm-hmm. uprooting myself a little bit. I had some deep mm-hmm. roots in Bozeman, Montana, and uh, brought myself and my fiance at the time out here to Seattle, Washington, and uh, had an awesome experience as far as just the move itself and our experience as a couple out here in Seattle, but then also professionally with the, with the Huskies football program and how much uh, learning I've, I've been able to do in that regard and just, just getting better as a professional and, and everything I want to mm-hmm. do there. And then on a personal level man uh you talk about a year of change i get engaged i make a big move then in february we get married mm-hmm. and happen to have uh, my brother family there my brother runs this you you were up and yeah, got I'm ordained for an ordained minister for hire now so if anybody needs me <laughs> shotgun situation, i'm pretty good at it i mean I, I'm versatile. Hey, I, I have keep no it short. I keep it short and sweet. <laughs> I don't make it about we, me. Yeah, the length of our ceremony set the new record. Yes, uh, the record had been established mm-hmm. in 2003, the summer of 2003, with Kip and Kelly's wedding. Yep, uh, I was a witness to that. Yep, and um, I didn't think that was ever going to be touched. No, nope. but sure enough, my own personal yep. wedding broke the record. Hey, we had a good we had a good run. Records are made to be broken. So <laughs> I thought that one was untouchable. I really did. But like you said, records are made to be broken. This one, you know, it's like that guy in the in the NHL that's that's going after Gretzky's goals overall that's goals insane. record, and, that's and they insane. never thought that would be touched. This guy's got a chance, right? Um, but anyway, so got that, and then on top of of being married. Uh, I also am going to have another addition to my family. Yep. Uh, I'm going to have a, a child, a baby girl in June. Uh, so excited about that. Excited about the fatherhood uh, aspect of life. And, and, man, just a lot you of mean, stuff going on for me. Really, I mean, you got a lot of streams flowing in a lot of directions. <laughs> There's I mean, no doubt. Little Pookie's all grown up, boy. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, it's been fun from my angle, too, just to see you guys dive into that new challenge of a new ge- geographical location. Uh, obviously, you guys being together as for as long as you have the, the marriage is not that big of a change. But anytime you got the win- the ring on, it's a new deal. And then uh, you man. get to join all of us parents in wedding in uh, parenting <laughs> bliss. And the reason we tape these podcasts at nights because Kelly and I have three of them, and we're not very good at getting them to bed. 
So <laughs> welcome. Welcome to that stage. Yeah, man. Excited to be a part of that. Uh, the parent club, man. I've, <laughs> I've been the I've been the uncle for a long time and I've really enjoyed that role, took that real pride in that role. And, and now yeah. I've got to uh, step up my game as a, as a true father in the, in the game and um, will be heavily leaning on on Uncle Kip and, and Aunt yeah. Kelly on a lot of different things. So we cannot wait to spoil <laughs> our niece with sugar and then go home and leave her with you. We, uh, we're excited about it. Yes. Really excited about it. the tides are turning. So, <laughs> uh, but on my end, you know, like Kane mentioned, you know, in the season is really hard to get to the podcast. We'll try to find better ways next year for both of us in season to do a couple more than we did. Um, but for us, it, it was a, it was a very good year for my my program. We won the most games, and by we, I mean that the players busted their rear ends, made me look a lot smarter than I am. Won the most games we've won since I took over the Willamette program. Got into the double figure win columns. Had a couple sweep weekends. Just did a lot of good things. Didn't quite accomplish every goal we put on the table. But uh, for our six seniors, it was a great legacy leaving season. Really righted the ship from being butt naked last the year before, uh, to, <laughs> you know, to only finish in a spot out of the playoffs this year and with a lot of bullets pointing upwards for next year. So, oh, those six kids a, a lot. You know, we were going to miss their a lot of their production, but we got some some younger kids that got a good taste of what it's like to be winning a winning program, and, and we hope to to go forward with that. So, you know, and I think a lot of it, you know, very little has to do with suddenly Kip figured out how to draw X's and O's better. I think it's a lot of what we talk about on this show. And, Kane, you want to dive back into kind of what we want to do with Cross the Streams. We just – our guys did a great job of taking any and every trick, scheme, idea that we thought of or they thought of as far as the mental approach to the game, being positive and having an, a, um, a process-minded uh, view of the thing rather than outcome-minded – and that's from different interviews on the show, different books Kane and I read, different speakers, different places. The kids brought in ideas. And we just overall had a hell of a lot more fun. And, and you'd love to say, well, yeah, Kip, that's because you won some games. But that honestly, though, that was the product of having mm-hmm. more fun yep. was we won games. I think people get it backwards that when you win, oh, now you're having fun. I think we had a lot of damn fun Monday through Friday. And then the games just kind of took care of themselves. Um, and, and so we hope to continue that. We hope to be better at that. And I hope that the podcast, we can keep showing people and bringing on smart people for, to take ideas and different approaches and cross streams across industries that, to help people out. hundred percent, hundred percent, man. So, so with that being said, just a review of what this podcast is all about. Cross the streams. First off, just the name itself, cross the streams, where we got that from the movie, the 1980, whatever, <laughs> Original Ghostbusters movie with Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, the original crew. There was a scene in there where they were talking about their uh, proton packs or fo- yep. what is it? The photon yeah, proton. Plastic. You got it. Yeah, proton packs. You got it. And they were warned to not cross their streams when they were firing their weapons. Don't ever cross those streams because if you cross the streams, something bad's going to happen. And at the end of the movie they had to cross the streams in order for them to have success. And so we're using that as kind of an analogy for, for life Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of things in life that you're told, Hey, don't cross that stream. Don't, don't do this and do this at the same time, stick to your, stay in your lane, shut up and dribble um, things along those lines that you're told a lot in life. Um, And we feel like, you know what? No, 
Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to cross the stream. Don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone, to try things, some different things that you're not accustomed to. Learn from those mistakes you may have while you're crossing streams. Uh, and another way to look at it for us, being two coaches of two different sports, me football, Kip basketball, how do we somehow take something from each other's uh, different profession in order to get better at our profession? Mm-hmm. How do I, as a football coach, learn from what Kip's doing as a basketball coach and apply it to my football team and vice versa? How do we take something from a lawyer, a doctor, a successful teacher, a successful um, home-based business owner, whatever it may be, how do we take something from them and apply it to what we're doing? And hopefully by bringing some people on the show and talking to them about uh, all these different things that they're doing and, and being successful with will help you as well, you listeners out there. Uh, and then along those lines, we're not just an inspirational, motivational <laughs> podcast, okay? Right. You're not going to just sit here and listen to us preach to you about this, that, and this because that's not right. what we're all about. We also like to cross the streams when it comes to just uh, movies, mm-hmm. music, uh, pop culture, just everything that's going on in the news, different headlines. We we like to dive into those things as well and, and just kind of give you our opinion on thir- certain things. Um, talk about comic book heroes versus athletes of today, for example, of, of crossing those streams and just trying to intermix as much as we can uh, into this one podcast of that, you know, what, 45 minutes to an yep. hour. Uh, that we're, we're able to get together and do this. Well, that's and usually, that's usually awesome. our goal. Sometimes we end up going about 75, 80. But, and, I, and I think one of the cool things, Kane, over the course of since we've been off is some of our guests that we brought on for interviews have moved on to bigger and better things. And it'll be fun to catch back up with them. Like, for example, Kofense Henson, yeah. who we, we interviewed last year, and he was the wide receivers coach at Hawaii. You and he had coached against each other uh, in Montana, Montana State. I he's a he's a friend of mine from Willamette. He played football while I played basketball here. Now he's in the Pac-12 with you, <laughs> coaching wide receivers at Oregon State. So you guys got a battle again. It'd be great here we go again. You know, get K back, and it's been fun having him in the state of Oregon. Taylor Mounts, who was uh, working on corporate sponsorships for the University of Auburn and Fox Sports. He's now back in Portland, and he's selling sponsorships for the lead sports radio station in the whole state, uh, 1080 The Fan. So, you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure Matt Espinosa's team had a great year, uh, the Salem Hoops Project guy. I know his foundation has gotten mm-hmm. off the ground with some more support locally. Um, Greg Plater, who we had on, is his podcast. I think he's on – he might be on season three by now. He never stopped making <laughs> podcasts. So – Uh, A lot of those people that we brought on have really gone on to do some great things, and hopefully we can catch up with them. And also, I know you've got a list of new ideas for people to bring on, and I've got some more. And people, and it's not like people are like, hey, i got to be on Cross the Streams. They just like talking, just talking about what they're doing in the world, not necessarily just because we're giving them a platform. But they they come on here and end up sharing something throughout their 10, 15 minutes with us that we never thought of, and hopefully people out there that listen to us never thought of either. Exactly. And and we'll have guys on just, just random segments such as uh, Crack the Egg with our, oh, yes. <laughs> our good friend Brandon one. Eckert, who uh, we'll get on here to just shed some random info or random thoughts on, on whatever it may be. And uh, we'll also have some different guests along those lines that just are on here purely for the uh, conversation more than anything. Absolutely. So we want to welcome everybody back. 
Glad you're back with us. You can still catch us on SoundCloud. You can still catch us on iTunes. And obviously, when Kane and I are tweeting and using social media to find us with the links, we appreciate everybody that listened to us. I think we got up over to about 1,700 listens last time. Let's nice. go for 2,000 in season two um, and, and see where things take us. And we'll be back with the next segment. All right. Back with Cross the Streams. New segment we got for you. Uh, like I said, we had a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast, and so there was a lot of stuff going on uh, over the course of time that we were not able to get on here and record an episode. And I felt like we needed to catch up on some of the headlines that have happened over the course of that time. But we don't have all – we're not going to sit here and cover every single headline, nor are we going to go in very much depth at this point because it's past – we're moving on, but we want to touch on the main topic, some of the, and get some our some of our main opinions slash um, rants, whatever you want to call it. And so mm-hmm. this segment is called the two minute drill, where I'll throw out a random topic. Kip will give me a topic, and you'll get two minutes to kind of touch on that topic, throw out some facts, throw out an opinion, whatever it may be. You got a, basically a two minute rant, and then at the end of those two minutes. Either myself or Kip will respond with another one minute. Either it's a question, comment, concern, whatever it may be at the end of your two-minute drill. So a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure in a two-minute drill. It is a lot of pressure. Two minutes goes quickly. (laughs) And and knowing the two of us, that's going to be hard to get everything we want to get across. That's why I got a timer set up, everybody. I got a timer. It's going to buzz us, and then we got to shut our mouth. (laughs) Instantly (laughs) shut off. Your your mic is muted at two minutes. So let's start it off. Uh, right off the jump, let me check out my list of, of headlines that uh, we weren't able to get into. Um, all right, Kip. This one I think uh, you'll enjoy. It happens to do with the NBA, but it's mm-hmm. kind of recent action the last couple weeks. NBA players coming out talking about mental health issues. Yes. I'm ready. Set. Hut. Okay, my take, and this I know you're referring to DeMar DeRozan, wrote a great great uh, article on bipolar or depression, one of the two. Kevin Love wrote a great article on anxiety disorder that he suffers from. Uh, Kelly Oubre from the Wizards has been very vocal in the Players' Tribune. The thing that I'm very, very impressed with, and not just speaking as someone who's had mental health uh, issues in life as well, is their willingness to shed the stigma that I must be a crazy person to utter the words mental health in me. Uh, it takes a lot of guts in a locker room, and Kane, you've been in many locker rooms, as as have I, to come out and show any sign of weakness as a man. Whether or not you could be feeling sad one day, and God help you, if you say sad in the locker room, somebody's going to jump you. Uh, I think it speaks a lot to advancement in uh, healthy forms of masculinity where it's okay for a superstar, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, to say, you know what, man, I struggle with this. I struggle with it every day, and I want you to know about it, and I'm okay with you knowing that I have a weakness. You know, NBA guys don't want you to know you can't go left. They don't want you to know that you can give me space on the right block. This is huge in terms of advancing the discussion and advancing the awareness for other kids. I'm thinking specifically high school kids, my players, to say, you know what, coach, I think I might be struggling this. You know what, team captain, you know what, girlfriend of mine, you know what, school counselor. Kevin Love said this is happening to him. DeMar DeRozan, I think that might be happening to me. 
and I don't know what to do about it. So I think that is a – I was very, very pleased. I was very impressed with both those two guys to put themselves out there in a vulnerable state. Um, and I think it will pay dividends, not only like the catharsis for themselves, like I got this off my chest, I don't have to hide this anymore, but I think it will be huge down the line for them, and I'm sure it's probably already happened with people that have the same afflictions that have been hiding it, feeling free to come forward at their job, feeling free to come forward at their with their, with their spouse, at their workplace. Uh, I think it could have great, great ramifications going forward. Oh, buzzer. Look at that. Well done. Anything from you? I, I agree 100% as far as just the, the, the athletes. We as athletes, specifically talking about my sport, football in general, we have this persona of having to be tough guys, and in particularly in our locker rooms, where mm-hmm. uh, for us to show any type of weakness, vulnerability, that's hard. That's really mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't know if it's obviously has it's not been done um, up to this point in the football world, in the football right. realm. Now you see a little bit of it as far as the uh, CTE yeah. and concussions and things of that nature, where guys are coming out after the fact talking about I suffered through this, this, and this. But as far as just mental health issues in general, that has not really. Um, been in, no one's really championed yeah. mental health within the sport of football. And so to see these guys in the NBA, who I think uh, the NBA has always been progressive as far as being ahead of things and mm-hmm. being ahead of these other leagues when it comes to activism and things of that nature. And I hope that this really just opens up conversations or, or channels of conversations within the NFL as well and yep. within our sport where it is okay to talk about these mental health issues uh, that – some of our athletes may be going through. Absolutely. Excellent. Round one done. I think, I think that was a successful two minute drill. I think we got a field goal. Uh, I, I think we, we got there. Okay. Yours. I think one of the ones I wanted you to take on for the two minute drill. Uh, yep. And it's, and it's, a, it's a real, it's touchy is the wrong word. Uh, mm-hmm. Heavily emotionally charged, very uh, nationally relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that it's hard to escape from, even if you're trying to get away from it in sports, uh, is the is the shooting in Parkland, Florida. Uh, Majority Stoneman Douglas, the, the high school shooting. I think it was 17 victims, if I'm correct. Uh, yep. And that's led into the gun control debate, which we kind of touched on in season one. But I'm sure in the two minute drill, you could talk more about it. Uh, school shootings in general, the NRA's role in politics, politicians response, the president's response. You got two minutes to take on a subject that no one has solved in the eternity <laughs> of the United States. So feel free to do it in two, <laughs> in two minutes, <laughs> two minutes, two minutes. All right. Go. Yeah, this is this is a tough topic in two minutes, but I'm, I'm going to give it a whirl. The most recent mass shooting, and it's been now over a month, and it brought to the forefront the gun control issue once again, something that we've talked about on this podcast before and how complex that issue or that debate can be. But to me, it comes down to this narrative that been has been creative over the course of history in our country that has ultimately led to us having this gun culture which has resulted in our country having over 300 million guns right here in the United States. 42% of privately owned guns in the world reside right here in the United States. We have 5% of the world's population, but we have 42% of the privately owned guns in the world. I had to say that twice to get that point across. We are number one in gun deaths by far. It's not even close. More guns equals more violence with guns. You can't debate that data right there. There is no debating that. 
more guns you have, the more violence you have with those guns. And mass shootings, as terrible as these, as these shootings at schools are, and I know that that brings this debate to the forefront, but in reality, that's only part of it because we have so many other homicides, gang violence, and suicides, which happen to be the highest percentage of gun violence in the country, suicides. We have so many, so much more of that than any other country, developed country in the world. And that is, again, is because of this narrative that has been created over the course of time by gun proponents that say that we have this individual right to bear arms. And granted, yes, we have the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was put into place for states to, to be able to protect their militia from the federal government. It was a collective right. That was what the Second Amendment was all about initially, a collective right for the militia, state's militia, to own guns. Not necessarily an individual right, but that narrative was changed over the course of history. And slowly but surely, it eventually developed into this individual right. And through popular constitutionalism, D.C. versus Heller in particular in 2008, the right to bear arms by an individual is just as important and crucial to America as the rights to freedom of speech, liberty, and justice. Oh, man, that's tough. Okay, Two minutes tough. is tough. It's tough. No, but I, I'll, I'm going to give you a question that leads you further for your for my one minute because I think you're rolling. Do, mm-hmm. are, you, are you of the opinion yep. that I think you framed it towards the end there that the narrative has been falsely slanted to that people like us who are arguing for gun control are arguing that we should come into your house and take it? We're not saying that. Correct. I, and I think that's Correct. where that's where I want to let you go a little more because that's not what we're saying. Like you have a gun now and you you kill bears with your gun. Good for you, man. Awesome. Keep your gun. Hundred percent. And and I didn't get to that within my two minutes, but that's what I was leading into with this with my argument as far as the perpetual this perpetual cycle of inaction mm-hmm. is due to our inability to get over our own narratives in our bias that our gun proponents can't get over this Second Amendment and losing all of their guns. And that's not what this gun control is all about. All we're asking for is universal background checks, for example. Mm-hmm. Federal, mm-hmm. A federal database to track gun sales. Bans on assault-style weapons. These AR-15 assault-style military weapons that are used specifically to kill. They are manufactured to kill human beings. Mm-hmm. Those do not need to be in the hands of just your regular, I have a hobby to collect guns. Why do you need those? That's what I'm arguing against. Just all things that are really popular when it's all said and done, when you really pull America, these are just common sense gun control laws that can help reduce the amount of guns that we have in this country, which in turn, by the data, limits gun violence. The idea that, uh, the silly idea that the good guys with guns will stop a bad guy with a gun every time is dead wrong. Teachers with guns in schools, putting more guns in schools, that ain't going to work as we are, have already seen in the past two days with accidental firearms going off uh, within schools. Putting more guns in schools isn't the answer. Putting more guns in the hands of people around the country, that's not the answer. But changing the narrative and creating this culture shift, which these students who are doing the walkouts yesterday and these things that are happening across the country with students and victims of these mass shootings stepping forward, that can help change the narrative because that invokes the passion, the same type of passion that gun proponents have that help change the narrative as is 
That's the type of passion that you have to have on the gun control activist side in order for anything to get done, in order for any of us to step out of this perpetual cycle of inaction, inability as a country to get over this created narrative that has held us back for so long. Look at that. So you got a third down reprieve and you, you had a great, you had a great play call. I got a, I got a, yeah, I got a, I got a PI penalty that allowed me to keep the drive going. <laughs> so I was able to draw up a play on the sideline and, and yep. restructure uh, my, my strategy awesome. a little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm up. Hit me. All right. Next, next on my list. Ah, another one. And, and I don't want to just keep on, on the basketball stuff for you, but it mm-hmm. kind of, it still is the NBA, but it is a little yep. bit more uh, of athletes in general, in my opinion as well. Uh-huh. But uh, Laura Ingram or Ingraham, whatever, Fox News versus LeBron James and essentially KD, Kevin Durant, um, the whole shut up and dribble. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Ready? Set, yep. go. Absolutely insane to consider that it, all media coverage these days, all media coverage of politics, events that happen, whether it's on Fox and you believe you're a right wing person or you're left leaning like us on MSNBC involves bringing on people that you feel will help illustrate the issue and drive ratings slash opinion. And in order to do that, you have to have people of importance discussing things that are important. There's very like as much as we like our, our across the streams, we're not driving ratings across the country. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if Laura Ingram wants me, lets me talk about it because I'm not a per- person of importance. A person of importance has influence across the nation and has and if they're actually in it for more than just their own self worth and fame, they want to use that to for the greater good. So for a person like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, the Warriors, for all of the NBA guys that have spoken out to be willing to use their platform and put their platform and their endorsements up at up for risk by speaking out for something they believe in, I wholeheartedly champion support. Even if they're saying something I don't agree with, they should more they should be willing to say it and talk about those things. And on the same time, I respect somebody that says, you know what, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I feel comfortable doing. But LeBron is someone that, like he said it himself, the kids look to LeBron for a lot of things, right or wrong. We can argue all to a blue in the face. It should be their dad. It should be their teacher. Guess what? It's LeBron. Mm-hmm. So if LeBron is willing to stand up and say, I believe in X, Y, Z for the greater good of humanity, I have no problem with him saying that. Because that same lady, when she said to LeBron, shut up and dribble, brought on four former actors from her side of the equation. And the actors know nothing more about the issues than LeBron does, but they just happen to be the right color <laughs> and have the same, have the right political leaning buzzer. <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. And, and just to add to it for my one minute response, uh, Again, I think it comes down to platform versus substance. You talked about yep. platform, having the right platform or a platform in general, mm-hmm. and the substance in which you you put forth on that platform. How are you using that platform? And then also it, it still is, is narratives, and no one on each side of the narrative wants to listen to one side or the other, and they don't ever want to have hear, uh, especially someone that, that is successful that's on the wrong side. The, mm-hmm. Whether it's Hollywood, whether it's musicians, whether it's athletes, whatever. And back to LeBron, athletes in general, their platform is huge for a lot of kids in a lot of different neighborhoods. 
LeBron, speaking of neighborhoods, has done nothing but give back to Akron, Ohio, his neighborhood, where he's from. Um, $41 million for, for uh, earmarked to go to college scholarships for kids from Akron, Ohio. Uh, I mean, the guy, every time you Google his name, as far as charity is concerned, he's mm-hmm. in the, uh, one of the top athletes of all time uh, as mm-hmm. far as just trying to make a difference with his platform. Absolutely. Uh, next one. I were you going to the NCAA hoop scandal? Ooh, was that, was that on your list, or do you want to go Winter Olympics? I can go hoop scandal. Okay. I can go touch upon the hoop scandal a little let's bit. Go, let's go hoop scandal because it has. I know we did a pod. We talked about it a little bit, trying to break down just the facts involved that was shown. Mm-hmm. But since we've been off the air for everybody before I launch Kane's two minutes, this was the release of the single individual agents, kind of his general ledger that showed all the payments to players, families um, that he had come across before, after, during the draft when they were in college, uh, and just kind of a glimpse into the thousands of pages of evidence the FBI has. This was just a three-pager released and obviously caused waves across college basketball. Ready? Go. So NCAA basketball scandal. What's funny to me about this whole thing, and and I don't really want to touch upon all the details of the scandal within this two minutes because you can read about all the details and whatnot. But bottom line is the NCAA has a problem. And I'm not afraid to say it, even though I work for the NCAA. The NCAA has a, a problem, an outdated definition of what amateurism is. And in reality, when, when money comes into play and the amount of money that the NCAA is, is getting for the March Madness tournament, for example, just using what is happening right now, is absurd. You're talking about $850 million from the revenue of this March Madness tournament. $850 million. That's a lot of money. And when you throw that pile of money into the mix, into this supposed amateur sports and you're telling me and you're telling all these athletes, these quote-unquote student-athletes, that they can't have any of that money. They can't see a dime, a penny of those revenues that they are creating themselves. You don't have a March Madness tournament if you don't have the student-athletes participating. You don't have the college football playoffs and the championship game and these bowl games if the student-athletes don't participate but they don't get to put their hands into this big pile of money that the nonprofit organization of the NCAA is bringing in. Yep. Do you think then, in my follow-up question, is it a matter of why? simple first solution for the NCAA? Why don't you just get rid of the age restriction mm-hmm. and let these kids go make money? And, and on that point, I, I know this has been brought up, but it's not actually the NCAA that limits them from going to the NBA. No, NBA, you're right. The, the NBA, NBA actually limits You're right. You're so right. He's not the one saying that you can't go to the NBA because it's the it's the NBA that so the NBA needs to step in and, and eliminate that rule, which would help the situation. But to tell these lottery picks and these kids with these commodities that they can't cash in on their market value like anyone else can is what fosters this type of climate or atmosphere. Think just for an example if Bill Gates was told. Hey, yeah, it's great. Come to college, get an education. But as soon as you step foot on our campus, you can't cash in on your brilliant ideas. You've got to go to continue to go to school, get you, until you get that degree, you can't go make your billions of dollars. Mark Zuckerberg, sorry, 
you've got to wait to get your degree before you can cash in on this great Facebook plan that you have or idea that you have. That's what essentially we're telling these student athletes. You can't cash in on your fair market value. Cash in on your commodity. Just like anybody else. So until the NCAA is willing to admit that they need to make changes, that they can't continue to try and level the playing field, yes. to continue to try and say that that uh, North Carolina and Duke and college basketball is out, should be at a level playing field as Iona and right. uh, College of Charleston, just for example. <laughs> yes. when, when you look at the revenue stream that where 48 universities brought in $4.5 billion in revenue, the top 48. 2015 numbers, 48 or the top 48 brought in $4.5 billion in revenue. Yet you're not going to have a level playing field. So the NCAA has to make fundamental changes of how they view amateurism, how they view student athletes in order for this so-called scandalous environment to go away. Yep. Next third and final one for me. So we're going to, we're going to step out of the sports realm a little bit for this one. And, there was this new movie, and I know you'll you'll <laughs> want to touch on this because yes. uh, you you are a, a comic book guy. Um, and by Black guy, Panther. he means fanatic, obsessed, <laughs> a exactly. little geeky. Yep. <laughs> so Black pa- Black Panther, five hundred sixty-five million dollars to date. Uh, the biggest movie of the year. Marvel is one of big Marvel's second, I think, all-time release in the comic book world and entirely driven by an all-African-American cast. And I shouldn't even say African-American. I should just say black people running a movie about a, a, a empowered, enriched, amazing fantasy kingdom of Wakanda that exists in Africa that is obviously made up. Uh, cultural importance is through the roof. Uh, I think it pairs well with Wonder Woman. Reason I made my kids go to it, even though they're ten and eight, and were scared to death when T'Challa sliced somebody with his fingernails. We got Dad of the Year for that. I think it's vital that kids see not just Superman, Batman, Captain America, those stereotypical white male as the hero. I think that's fine to keep having Tony Starks and Bruce Wayne's. That's fine as long as you also show off Diana from Wonder Woman. You show off T'Challa from Wakanda. You show off all the the rocks coming out with one. You show Aquaman, uh, Jason Momoa from Polynesian Heritage. I think it's important to recognize that as the, the world gets more and more diverse, this, the, the images of what we consider superheroes, what we consider champions of the of humanity also morphs with the, the the differing diverse nature of the world. And I think all the movies to date have done a good job. Black Panther has just taken it and run with it to another mm-hmm. level. And I don't want to speak. Uh, I want to speak simply as a minority. I can't speak specifically as a black person, but I know watching that it made me wish for a Wakandan reality to wish yeah. for a place with the empowerment level for, for people of color. Um, you know, it could be, like, I think some of that maybe, maybe could happen, you know, with, for us, if it was a Samoan superhero, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same concept where somebody that looks like me, talks like me, same background as me went on to do great things. It doesn't mean I can't still love Captain America. It doesn't mean I can't still love Batman and Green Lantern as white males, but I think it was vital that we had a year of superheroes of different gender, different race. I like it. I like it. I really don't have a, a whole lot to um, to follow up on that. Uh, maybe just a question. Where mm-hmm. would you rank 
Black Panther as far as the movie in yeah. uh, your top five of superhero gotcha. movies. That's a great. Is one. it in the top five? I mean, where where is it ranked? Yep. Number one all time for me is The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heath Ledger, Batman. That's that's hard for anybody to argue with me. Number two for me is probably the first Avengers because mm-hmm. it brought together all of them in such. And it was the first time you got to see Marvel's, uh, you know, their group together, and they mixed in the action, the backstories, and the comedy from Tony Stark. Drove the movie. Number three, I think I probably put put Black Panther there. Just because I thought it was a phenomenal movie, you take away all cultural significance. It was just a great movie. Uh, the character himself, he's he's amazing. Four for me is probably Avengers two, and five is probably maybe one of the Iron Mans. I would love to put Dark Knight Rises in there, mm-hmm. um, but I just I didn't think I can't stand movies where Batman gets his ass whipped. And that's just <laughs> that's just me. That's just me. I can't deal with it. Yeah, that, no, that's a good list. Okay, your last one, which is a funny one because I just watched with the kids. I just made them watch Miracle, and I just made them watch <laughs> Cool Runnings. So you talk to us. The Winter Olympics just happened. I didn't watch a goddamn second, but I want you to go off on the Winter Olympics 2018 or maybe just the Winter Olympics in general, last two-minute drill. Yeah, Winter Olympics 2018. Uh, South Korea. I I'm gonna be honest. I I watched I want to say th- a total of 30 minutes <laughs> of the Winter Olympics, and that was just kind of in passing. I turned the TV on; it happened to be on, and I just kind of glanced and watched. I tried to keep tabs of it uh, as far as the medal count, you know, big wins. I saw the Sean White. I watched those highlights on ESPN. Uh, women's hockey. The curling, we win gold in curling, um, cross-country skiing, the women uh, uh, who got the medal, the gold medal, I believe, in, in the cross-country skiing for the first time. So there were some significant events in the Winter Olympics. But in all honesty, man, I don't relate to the Winter Olympics at all. I have <laughs> never I've, – I've snowboarded twice. I've gone down a ski hill once in my life. Um, I will never try any half of those other things. Cross country skiing was the hardest thing in the history of workouts that I've ever even tried. It was, I think, on third grade. Somehow I ended up uh, trying to do cross country screening, skiing around Lake Elmo with some friends. Worst experience of my life. I'll never do that ever again. Um, so I just, and, and skating, have you ever tried skating? It's the hardest thing ever. So I got all, all the respect in the world for these world-class athletes, and they are world-class athletes. Now, curling, you could argue as far as our athletes is concerned, right? But some of these other uh, events, I'm going, yeah, I got a lot of respect for you, dude, because there's no way in hell I'm flying down a hill and jumping however many feet through the air on the ski jump. There's no way I'm flying down an alpine ski run going 70 miles per hour that ain't doing i ain't doing it i'm not jumping onto a sled a luge a one-man luge and flying down banks of ice trying to set speed records that just isn't me and and therefore i ain't watched it because i'm not Uh, that interested my one minute follow-up is uh echoes a lot of that i do feel bad that i missed the women's gold medal hockey game Everyone on Twitter and everyone I talked to the next day said it was a phenomenal watch. I uh, bet it was. And aside from that, 
I cannot think of a time in my life, aside from similar to you, one skiing trip that I hated with every fiber of my being when I <laughs> wanted to be cold and do something hard athletically. Uh, just not, and I, and I just, I have a really hard time. I think relate's a great word that you said. I think there's just so many barriers to access or entry to those sports. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean like you said, I, I did have a ton of respect for skaters, a ton of respect for skiers. Um, I just don't know how many human beings will ever have the chance to have a ski mountain pass with thousands of dollars of gear and you go flying down that son of a bitch. I just, I don't, I don't know. So it, it, yeah. it did nothing. It did nothing for me. And Bob Costas wasn't the host. God bless Mike Tirico, but he's not Bob Costas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still get, you can't help, but still get fired up for the, for the, when the Olympic music is playing. Yes. You know, that, dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. that still, you turn yeah. that on, you, you listen to that. And then they start diving into some of these backstories of the, some of the athletes yeah. are like, okay, yeah, it sounds cool. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'm over it. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> we Two got all, Nor- all Norwegians on in this. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not into it. No, I'm, out. I'm way out. I'm way out. A two minute drill wrapped up. Six of them. Well done. I think that was successfully completed. Belichick might give us a pass. We'll be back with the next segment. All right, we're back. Last segment today. Obviously, it is March. We're in the teens, and that means the selection show happened, and it is time for March Madness. Uh, we got our brackets up in my house. One of the nice things is the kids get older. They start to give a damn about doing brackets, mm. uh, so we can do a mini pool in my house. There's no money involved in the NCAA. It's just a fun family <laughs> event in my house. I'm not violating anything, um, but it's, it's always fun to fill out a bracket, to watch the tournament, to take it, obviously, as an NABC member, and I'm taking Lincoln to the Final Four in San Antonio. Um, but the thing Kane and I want to talk about, the fact that everyone has a bracket is awesome. But it also leads to some painstaking conversations where people want to tell you how they go about their bracket or what happened to their bracket. It's kind of similar to fantasy football. Like, everyone wants to play it. But I don't want you to tell me about it. Like, let's sit down and watch the games with our brackets and cross them off. Or like everybody does, you got an ESPN pool that people do, and it'll track it for you. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to tell me about you thought about number nine over number eight, but then your dog didn't do this, and you decided not to pick it, and that's why you're not winning this goddamn thing. So, okay. so Kate and I wanted to dive into MythBusters talking about picking the bracket or even could be watching the tournament in general things that people say that might not be true or just like, Hey, does this happen to you too during tournament time? Um, and I think my very first one is this is not, maybe it's not a myth buster as much as a knock it off bracket and knock it off. You don't get to fill out more than two brackets, man. You don't get to have 22 brackets that you go every conceivable mutation of the tournament and then tell me the bracket 17 was the winner. <laughs> that is nonsense. That doesn't count at all. I, I'm glad that was the very first one on my list. That was the very first one on my list is these multiple bracket guys. I'm a one bracket person. First off, how are you keeping track of all your brackets? Yeah. How are you keeping track of bracket 24, 25, and 26? That's ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. And you're going to yeah. sit there and tell me that, oh, yeah, no, I'd, I, I picked that one. No, on which bracket? You didn't pick that one. 
<laughs> on the twenty third time he picked it. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, you Get just out of here with that. It was like it's like scientific method, like Eggert told us about. Like it's yeah. a process of elimination. Like you pick win, 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 loss, and you just wait till that happens. That's it. And, and all it is is it's just the lottery. That's all that, that they're. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go buy a million freaking lottery tickets for a million dollars, and maybe a, it, yeah, your odds are a lot better when yep. you bought a million lottery tickets. Yep, it's it's absurd. Here's a here's a bracket myth buster. If you well, maybe it's a myth buster, or is it debunking the expert in your friend group? Okay, <laughs> I have more respect if you pick your bracket Sunday after the show. You just sit down, you do it, you turn it in, and you get some right. You can go off of, hey man, I picked that. If you wait till Wednesday because you're going to watch every Jay Billis, Doug Gottlieb, Seth Davis viewing, you're going to read every article on LIU Brooklyn that you did not do during the season then you're not a bracket expert. You are just a great researcher. So knock it off. You didn't know anything more about Iona over Ohio State than the rest of us. You just cherry-picked Jay Billis's comments. <laughs> That's all you did. That's all there, you did. There are so many of those guys nowadays with the, with the ESPN insiders. They've got their insider subscri- subscription, <laughs> yeah. ESPN magazine. They've been watching this uh, ESPN marathon that uh, Jay Billis and Jay Williams and the boys have been doing and literally are taking notes like you're saying and then filling out the bracket. And I'm with you 100%. There should be a rule. Every pool should should have a rule as far as the time uh, it takes for you to fill out your one bracket. That's it, one. Turn that thing in. That, yep. that to me is, okay, yeah, that was a great pick. Nice job. <laughs> but to all the – now, if it's different. If you can do that, you probably have a little bit of, of college basketball. You've watched a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's fine. I, I just it, – that fires me up when they go on there and it, they literally go verbatim of what Jay Bill has picked on yes. ESPN.com. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like if you do it all year, like you watch Andy Katz's podcast – yeah, on, that's great. Then you can yeah. you can use Andy because that's your dude, and you did it November twelfth when Arizona State beat Xavier, and nobody gave a damn. If you, if you are legitimately upset about certain seeds during in the bracket, yeah, and you've got some, and you're telling me about that, yep. I know you've got some knowledge, right? You've been watching college basketball, you've got an idea of what you're talking about. But if you're just strictly going off of the Word for word sentence that you read on ESPN Insider <laughs> Subscriber dot com about this certain shooter from wherever that's going to take the the whoever whatever team New Mexico mm-hmm. State Aggies to the Sweet Sixteen. Yep, get out of here. Hey, what do you think was the first? When was when did five twelve over five jump the shark? And what <laughs> I mean by that is, remember, like we're probably in the nineties, even when we we're growing up, twelve five was like, oh, man, you picked that? That's risky. Mm-hmm. These days, like, I don't turn in a bracket if I don't pick three twelves. Like, that's just common. I think the, the committee at this point is like, yeah, let's put some shitty teams at five. <laughs> we we got to make sure that happens. You know? <laughs> I, I would agree. There is some At some point, I think you're right. I think the, the committee is full of bracket yeah. guys that are full. that do, And, and that's what I want to know is, is these guys – are they're saying they're not filling out brackets on their own on the on the side? But come right. on, yeah, they they got their own pool going, don't they? They got yep. their own bracket that they're filling out on the on the on the side, and, and just being human, yep, they're making sure that the, that five seed and twelve seed is a good matchup. 
what do you think? Like, I wonder if like, let's say I'm on the committee, I'm the, I'm the whack commissioner and I argue successfully to get New Mexico state a six mm-hmm. or I bet I am watching those games. Like, good God, they better make the sweet <laughs> season. You know, yeah. like, because yeah. I won't be, they won't listen to a goddamn thing I say next year. Uh, if these great. clowns, you know, like, I think that absolutely plays a role and it's what do they call it outperforming your seed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're a six, if you're one through eight, you should win once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're ten, nine through 16 and you get one win, like you're doing a hell of a job, <laughs> a hell of a job. You know what, what fires me up or it doesn't fire me up, but it just, it annoys me every year is the selection show, which we need to talk about, by the way, oh. anyway, the selection show. And all of a sudden they have everyone come on Dick Vitale, Phelps. Yep. Jay Williams nowadays, all these guys come on and they, and they discuss how the committee did. Yeah. And they want to, they want to overanalyze and complain and throw out these, Oh, it's absurd. What are they? Uh, that never changes anything. No, it never all of a sudden. Oh, you know what? Jay Billis, yeah. you're right. We should have put St. Mary's in this. Right. year. You know what? Right. Let's go back in the, in the committee room and, and change this and, and Forget, don't put the brackets out there yet. We're right. now that you bring that up, we're going to go ahead and change the seed here. We're going to flip those around. It, it's just wow. why? Are you, why are we doing? If, let's make. I got a great idea based on what bothers you. Instead of the last four, because you know the last four now they screw over four little teams, and they you mm-hmm. got Texas Southern. You guys just book a trip to Dayton, but now <laughs> yeah. they put the last four in are in that thing. Why don't they save that? And make it open. And they get to argue it. And then the committee's like, you know what? We like Jay's argument. We're going to put Arizona State in. There you go. That I like that. must watch. You that would dial that, in. Who wouldn't watch the selection show if all of a sudden the the bubble guys that had their bubbles burst, all yep. of a sudden they're, they're now up for debate on who yep. the real true final four are. And yep. it's up for debate. And the committee sits there and listens to everybody's argument. And then they say, you know what? That's yep. exactly right. After commercial, we let Dickie yeah. talk. We let Jay Gottlieb. They all talked. They all yelled at us. We're going to come back yep. from commercial and tell you who we picked out of these eight. That yep. would be phenomenal. Middle People. Tennessee State, you're in. And yep. you, could you imagine the teams, the, the live feed of the teams watching, going, oh. yeah, come on. And, and they get the coach on there. The coach oh, gets a chance to come so on good. There You know what I would do? His point. I would, if I was one of those teams, I would do like Middle Tennessee State did after the fact, but I'd do it before. I'd just put the one senior there whose mom passed away, whose uncle has cancer, who doesn't have a house, and I'd just put him on the ground in a praying position, and that yeah. would be my argument. We got to let Keith in. Keith deserves it. Oh, my God. That, that, yeah, we're on to something we got, there. We got gold. We're on to something there. So but let's talk about the selection show. Who decided it was broken and who decided to fix it? That oh was like. That was a travesty. That well, was. Are you going to unveil the automatic bids? <laughs> oh, alphabetical my. order. That was the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. Here's and they're in. They're <laughs> automatic bid and are in the yeah. tournament. Check it out. Automatic bid. Albion from this New York State Conference. <laughs> hey, Tigers. Let's kick it over oh. there to Ernie. Ernie, we don't want to see you without Chuck and Kenny. So if you could bring oh, them out, that was horrible. That was then, so brutal. Like the least they could have done when they went to the at-larges, right? Put mm-hmm. another screen up that shows everyone on the bubble. Yeah. And as one of them gets in, take them off. So you know, who you, 
because half the fun is you're stressed out for somebody. That's exactly. half the fun. Exactly. When they used to show the live feed of the bubble teams, they're sitting there watching as each bracket's revealed. Yep. And then it's like, boom, there's your name. Woohoo, I'm yep. in, but we're playing the damn number one seed. Right. We're still in. You that notice that too? They used to show bubble teams not get in. Like they used to have the feeds. Oh, yeah. They oh, don't yeah. do this shit anymore. They don't <laughs> even risk it. Like, why not? Like, where's yeah. the drama? Now, I know if you show me Marshall, these clowns are getting in. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a feed exactly. at USC, so I knew those idiots weren't getting in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was brutal, man. That was, <laughs> that was the brutal. worst. And then they bring Chuck out there to try to talk about a bracket. Chuck's got no idea. Zero. None. Just throws out <laughs> random thoughts, and, and it's just like, oh, my God. Are, are we serious? You think are so? we, and then how about when they, they brought out both him and uh, – Kenny? Kenny, Kenny the Jet, they brought out one bracket, two markers, and told oh. the two of them to fill out the bracket. Oh, my one God. bracket for the two of them. And they had to sit there and argue about every pick. It's like, what? Is, why not just have two brackets and compare the two at the end of the deal? Oh, my Who, God. Whose bright idea was that? Who was like, the, seriously. the producer that said, this is a great idea. We'll have Chuck and Kenny fill out one bracket and have them argue about every freaking pick instead of just going, you fill out yeah. this bracket, Kenny. You fill out this one, Chuck. Shaq, you do one, right. and we'll compare. Ernie, you do one. Guess what? Your brackets are hanging right behind you throughout the whole tourney. And yep. you're marking it with red marker. If you miss one, you That's start awesome. it if you get one. And we're all watching it as it's going. That people would pay. What about who did they pay to put on a thousand t shirt oh. and sit in the audience? Oh, hey, you seven, I need you to wear these UCLA shirts. <laughs> I, hey, you four, could you put on Tulane? What in the hell was that? Oh, it was just, that was just not very good. No, very like good. Who, who said, you know what I don't like? The NCAA selection show. That's what I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta change that. We gotta no change. No one's ever said that. Everybody's like, just show me the bracket. I want to know who's in the pot. I'm going to watch. Where's my team? That's it. I, oh my god, that was such That's a it. bad. That was such a bad deal. That's uh, it. But it is March Madness. It, and here's one thing for everybody out there: my bracket's going to do a lot better because Georgetown's not in it. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means? Kip didn't take him to the championship game. Yeah, and man. That's what he likes to do. He likes how, to take his team. <laughs> how? <laughs> You just can't help that. As you're going through the bracket, I was sitting about that, thinking about that today, looking at my bracket, going, "Golly, I am, I'm not. I take analytics and all that stuff. Analysts yeah. watch it. I take it all out. Yep. When it's all said and done, when I look really truly look at my bracket, it's yep. just teams I like or don't like. Absolutely, well, yeah. That's why, like, that's why Wisconsin screws me every single year in the brackets because I, I never pick Wisconsin. I will never do it. No, Duke's the same way. Even though some, there's years I know Duke is really good, right. I will never pick Duke to win the whole thing. I can't. How could, how could you stomach that cheering for somebody you don't like? Or how no. could you be like, boy, I really hope my got my Hoyas get to the Sweet Sixteen, but I picked Harvard, yeah. so uh, I'm going to cheer against. <laughs> I'm going to cheer against the team that I really want to root for. That makes zero sense. You can't do it. One on here is I like we all cheer for upsets, but it really makes the second weekend awful. Because you're like, well, what's the sweet, what's the sweet sixteen in the West? Oh, it's George Mason versus Old Dominion. Oh, for <laughs> God's sake! What? No one wants to see that. <laughs> I can't. I can't pawn that off. That Kelly's not gonna let me watch that game. Exactly. If it said Duke, I could watch the game. Nope, I'm out. Great job in that first game, guys. I loved it. And now I want you to lose. Now, <laughs> I'll tell you a game you couldn't pay me to watch. 
Virginia, Cincinnati in the oh Elite Eight. God. God bless Mick Cronin and, and Tony Bennett, and I'll probably buy one of their DVDs to help me learn how to guard somebody, but I'm not going to watch that with a beer and some friends over because I would rather <laughs> stick hot pokers in my eyes than no watch question. the pack line the shit out of each other. Exactly. The committee probably feels the same way, like, please, God, don't <laughs> do, it. do not let this happen. Please. <laughs> Cross the streams, NCA bracket, myth-busting. All right, here's what I got for you for our last segment. And this is a solo segment on my own. This is uh, something that came up with after our original production, but I wanted to add to this episode because I think it fits well with our NCAA tournament bracket talk. As I stated earlier in the episode, my wife and I got married. We're expecting our first child in June. And as some of you out there probably know, Naming your first child or just naming your child in general is not an easy process, and we have had a tough time with it. We've got all sorts of names that we've thrown out there. Um, I like this name. She vetoes it. She likes that name. I veto that one. So we just go back and forth, and you know, there's probably four or five names that we've really liked together, but nothing is just like, yeah, that's that's the one. And so the other day we're talking about it again and we start talking about our top four names and kind of ranking our top four. And in the process of doing that in my head, because it's March madness time, I'm going, you know what, let's, let's try this. What if we threw down 32 names or 64 names and put them into a tournament style bracket and allowed the, the, really fate to take over and see how it all plays out and see what name comes out on top. And obviously I'm thinking to myself as I'm, as I'm throwing this suggestion out there, no way in hell is my wife going to go along with this, but lo and behold, that's why I married her. I got a good one. She was all about it, jumped on board. So last night we went ahead and, and wrote down 64 names came up with as many names as we possibly could that we actually somewhat liked, went through them, ranked them, one through 16 as far just like in the tournament, 16 seeds. You're If you're a really well-liked name by the both of us, you're a one seed, two seed, three seed. If you're just okay or one of us really likes you but the other one doesn't, then you're probably in the middle of the pack, seven, eight, nine. If you're a name that just we kind of needed you to fill out the bracket, then you're probably 15, 16 seed name. We threw them down onto the bracket, um, putting our top four names with the one seeds. So our top four names are, are all represented by Virginia, Villanova, Kansas, and Xavier, and then filled in from there. And as we kept going, I started to, to think about it and went, wait a minute, there's a strong possibility that Xavier might get put out in the second, third round one of our top four names out like that. So couldn't have that. So we decided to adjust it a little bit. Our top four names now have two teams each or represented by two teams each in the bracket. Hence that one of your top four teams is going to be represented in the final four at least. But you never know. That's what's great about March Madness. Now you put a little bit extra on that March Madness and you, and you actually put fate into the hands of March Madness as far as you put your firstborn's name up for grabs and – it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. 
And so my wife and I are going to be watching this tournament, not only because of the brackets that we filled out just for fun, but now because each team that is playing is representing a possible name for our child. It's going to be a fun ride. We'll see how long we last. Obviously, I'll keep you posted uh, via these podcasts. And anything else, if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, email, and, and kind of see where the bracket is, where our uh, the Ion baby name bracket is and where it stands, I'll keep you posted and keep you updated. But April 2nd, when they crown a champion for the NCAA men's basketball, they're also going to be naming our child. Pretty excited about this whole process. We'll keep you posted. the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was a bad. 